Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the podcast in partnership with Najahi Events. Now, AI, artificial intelligence, is it going to change your life? Is it going to change your business? Could it do things that you can't even imagine right now? Well, the answer to all of those questions is yes. But I wanted to deep dive and learn more to show you how AI could benefit your business with today's guest, Fahed Bazari. Fahed is the founder of the International Institute for AI Literacy and Adoption. He has over 20 years of entrepreneurship experience, a deep understanding of business operations and strategic thinking skills. I had a conversation with this guy last week and he blew my mind. He then showed me what AI could do and my mind was blown even further. Let's get this one started. Cue the music. Thank you to Najahi Events, who have been sponsoring us now on the podcast for over a year. Najahi bring motivational speakers to the region to help inspire, educate, and motivate you to achieve better success and live a better life. So, Fahed, we've been chatting on the phone, haven't we, for a couple of weeks now, and uh, well, maybe it with longer than that. It's so great to get you here on the podcast today and talk about how AI is going to help us live better lives, build better businesses. And essentially, think about the future in a different way to the way we've done now. So I know there's a backstory to your life and whatnot, but I know that everybody wants to know what's in your head and what you know about AI and how you're able to help people um, to benefit businesses and approach different AI scenarios and situations in a way that will work for them. So give me your professional credentials to start with and then we'll dive into some deep questions. All right, cool. So thank you for having me. Uh, professional credentials. I have been an entrepreneur since I graduated from university. I went straight into entrepreneurship and I got the four hour work week uh, by the time I was 26 years old. Tim Ferriss. Tim Ferriss, but before Tim Ferriss was talking about the four hour work week. So I just wanted it. I got it. And then he released the book talking about it. So now what did I do with all of my free time? I got into consulting. I wanted to help people the same way that I had developed that four-hour work week through automation and systematization, et cetera. I wanted to now offer that to other people. And so I got into consulting and I had you know, a lot of free time. I spent a lot of that time learning about a lot of things. So from a professional background, I've got expertise in entrepreneurship. I've got expertise in software development. I've got expertise in consulting and HR very wide range of expertise across a number of industries. Now we come to AI. I don't know if you want to now start getting into the experience on the AI side, but it starts with experience in software development and then the ability to empathize with business owners. Because you could have somebody who knows AI from top to bottom, left to right, but they can't empathize with business owners. Whereas in my case, I know what it's like to be a business owner. I know what it's like to feel the needs and pains of a business owner. And so now when we start talking about AI, it's in the context of business owner. Interesting you say that because, yeah, I think a lot of people are fearful of technology and techies and techie geeks and all that kind of stuff and fearful of, of, of the language that they speak because it's uh, uh, somewhat confusing to some people. So to take it from a business owner's point of view, I think it's absolutely critical. Okay. So what is AI? Oof. Well, the first thing to know is that AI is not one thing. There's lots of different types of AIs. So 
if you think about LinkedIn for a very long time, I don't know, maybe five years, you'll open up your LinkedIn messaging and suggesting three or four one-click responses at the bottom, like, thank you, you're welcome, whatever it is, yeah? How did it know what those one, two, or three responses should be? What it's done is it's analyzed the text and said, okay, this person has put forward an idea, so say yes or no. Or if you look at your Gmail, you would have noticed in the last uh, one or two years, what's been happening is they've been offering an auto-completion. So I'll say, dear, and Im Im immediately Spencer has popped up. And it knows that because it looks at the previous emails and go, this is a conversation with Spencer. The most likely next word is going to be Spencer. Okay. So that's one aspect of, let's say, artificial intelligence, which is looking at patterns in the world and then, and then um, predicting that that same pattern is going to unfold. So if you think about it for us, you know, many people hear a noise that automatically look at the noise. That's a predictable response. Traffic light goes red, the car will stop. It's a predictable response. So artificial intelligence is all about understanding all of those patterns and then developing tools, etc., to go around those patterns. So I just saw a tool the other day where it, that, that operates in warehouses. What it does is it monitors the posture of staff as they are loading and offloading boxes onto the shelves. And it's analyzing whether they're doing it with good posture or not. Now, if they're doing it with bad posture, what's going to be the consequence of that? They're eventually going to have to take time off work. Their back is going to go, they're going to do this, that. So it's, it's in the interest of the company to make sure that everybody is loading and offloading with good posture. Now, that's something based on a pattern. So there's visual, there's audio, there's text. I was in Dubai airport a couple of months ago, and at the boarding gate, they didn't actually want to see my passport. I'm a very inquisitive type of guy. I wouldn't let something like that slide. So I said to the guy, you do realize you haven't asked me for my passport. He said, there's no need, sir. I said, what do you mean there's no need? He said, now we're going with face recognition. We know who you are. And if you, if a face is going to cross this line that doesn't have a boarding pass, an alarm will go off and we'll stop you. We'll bring you back. There's no need to check your passport. So AI can, can show itself in what they call computer vision. It can show up now with voice mimicking so i don't know if you've seen any of those videos online there's some hysterical ones where you can now microsoft has got an ai that can take three seconds of your voice and mimic it three seconds of three seconds of your voice and now i have historically because i've been into ai now for a couple of years that previously you'd have to record six or seven hours of your voice which is still very impressive I, and i did it i was ready to do it let's do it if I can do that and now spare myself of, of you know, in, in, in certain circumstances, and what's the use of that? The, the, the company that offers that solution, why do they offer it? Um, do you know a software called Descript? No. All right. So Descript, what Descript does is you connect your video with the audio, and then you edit the video by editing the, sorry, got the video plus the text of what's being said, and you edit the video by editing the text. So one of the things it can do is get rid of all the ums and the ahs that took place in the video. And that's why you'll notice a lot of YouTube videos are just like, and then he's got these very sharp cuts because they've used a software like that that removes all the ums and the ahs. It's doing that because AI can recognize that those are filler words and it can match the time and now strip out that or cut those parts out of the video. Now, what's the importance of the voice mimicking in that software appears 
you may have said something wrong in the podcast. You may want to change a word that you said in, in, in that video. You just go in there and you type it. It matches your voice and then it updates the video with the new word. And ah, so maybe when you said a swear word. Exactly. Okay. Say exactly. Say exactly. Exactly. Now, how are people using this in business? They are sending welcome messages to a new customer going, Hi, Spencer. It's great to have you on board as a customer. That guy recorded the video once, but he's now using AI to replace the name of the customer or the prospect using voice mimic. So AI, to answer your question, AI shows up in a whole load of different ways. And think about all the human senses, think of all the way that the human mind works, and it's doing its best to replicate all of them. Okay. It's all exciting stuff. Sorry. Let, let, let's, let, let, let's dive in in a second to some examples of that. But let's, let's first of all start okay, with the fear mongers. <laughs> the people who are out there saying, oh, no, it's going to take over the world. We're going to be run by robots. The RoboCop all over again, all this other kind of stuff. It, that, it, what, it could invade my privacy and yada, yada, yada. Yeah. What do you say to the people that at this moment are fearing that? Well, the first thing to know is what, what should we actually be scared of? Because it, the future is not going to be a Terminator-style future. There's not going to be a big battle between the bots and the human beings. It's not going to be like that at all. What is going to happen, though, is that more and more, we as human beings, if we keep taking the lazy route, we're going to keep on parting with our own discernment. Right? We're going to lose the ability to discern between good, better, best, right, wrong, etc. Which seems like, let the AI do it. Let the AI do it. Let the AI decide. What time should I sleep tonight? Let the AI decide. What time should I wake up tomorrow? AI, what time should I wake up tomorrow? So what's going to happen is that over time, as human beings, we are slowly going to be passing on our sense of independence and our sense of discernment and our sense of critical thinking and so on, we're going to be passing on to the machines. That is the biggest thing to be scared of. And that's why it's very important for people in our generation to learn about all of this stuff. Because when we're raising our kids, we need to be able to pass this on to them. Otherwise, if they're being raised in that era where they can do all of these things, they're not going to understand what it's like to be a human being. So that's, from my point of view, that's the biggest fear that I personally have. And it's some stuff that my work I'm trying to do and, and, and solve for everybody. But um, other fears, of course, are the fears of job displacement. That is a big concern. You know, job displacement is a big concern. And then I'm not here to, I'm not here to create fear at all. On the contrary, my, my life right now is dedicated to upskilling people, right? But you can't do that just based on all the hopes and the utopia, you also have to be aware of the potential dystopia. And the potential dystopia is that, let's just imagine I run a translation business, I've got 10 translators. And each one of those translators produces 100 units of productivity. So now I've got 1,000 units of productivity. We now introduce AI into our company. We have two choices. This AI allows us to double our productivity. So either we need to double the amount of demand that we get as a business, in order to those 10 translators to now do double the amount of work, or we half the number of translators if we can't increase the amount of business, right? Now, here's where the danger comes in. People are saying, no, AI is going to cause a big boost in business. AI is going to cause a big boost. There's going to be lots of magical things happening. It's going to be a bit like one of those nuclear bombs where you see the explosion going out like that, but then an implosion that follows in afterwards. So over the next few years, 
a massive amount of productivity boost. You, me, anybody listening to your podcast now that jumps on the AI bandwagon to massive amounts of productivity. But it will eventually catch up with society, right? So going back to the translators, now here's the challenge. Their customers are also going to start getting access to AI. So the idea that they can push up demand is going to be challenged by the fact that they've got AI themselves. So how do we start to make sense of this? Is that you're going to have some people that are like master translators, like specialist translators, the ones that the AIs for at least a limited period of time cannot catch up with. These guys are going to be getting all of the business from people that want specialists. So there are different things to be scared of. Um, but I don't think that fear should be driving anybody, right? What should be driving everybody is the idea that I can now get done in one hour what used to take me an entire day. I can now get done in two days what used to take me 30 days. And the magic of it is the, and I don't want to sound like a geek, but the cognitive load that goes on in your head reduces dramatically. Your dependency on other people. Like I was working with somebody and you need to speak to a consultant. I said, look, before you speak to a consultant, let's have a chat with ChatGPT. And we got out of ChatGPT what would have taken meetings with lawyers and consultants and 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 and. Now, we are still going to meet with the lawyers. We are going to still meet with the consultants. But it's going to be a two-hour meeting rather than a five-day back-to-back, three hours per day at lawyer rates. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... So the fear is there, and that's like one wing, but the other wing or the other side of the coin is the hope and the aspirations of what this can do for us as human beings. I personally have got into the headspace of being fearful. I'm, I'm almost too excited to comply by what it potentially can do to get into any form of fear. Now, of course, you know, they'll all be talking about that, but for me, it's just like, Yes, yes, do they? Let's learn more. Let's learn more. Let's see how it can make a difference. So, I believe in every part of life it can make a difference. So, whether you're an you know you're a retired sixty-six-year-old with an allotment, okay, that's growing your vegetables and taking your time to watch the cricket and maybe a few other things over the course of the week and having an easy life, versus the guy that's the high-flying CEO of the investment bank, okay, that it could be applied to all parts of your life. But when we think about everyone that's watching and listening to this right now, most people are in business. Most people are trying to find new clients for their business. They're trying to work out how to raise capital for their business. They're trying to work out how to be more efficient with their time. They see this technology coming. It's like, what can it do for me? Mm. But what I just see is people have heard about ChatGPT, and the people when we sell it again, can't believe you in the least for so, so what I've learned is that the people have started to use ChatGPT, not not in a in a detailed way, but by asking in some, some real basic stuff. You know, I think I said to you on the phone, you know, write a write a poem in the voice of Arnold Schwarzenegger, or you know that kind of stuff for very simple stuff. And I think because at the moment most people don't know what to ask, they're not going to get out what they need to get out of it. Mm. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, hundred percent, yeah. So how do we and we and we bridge that because it's it, it the natural questions you'd ask clearly aren't the questions that it needs. So, so what do we got to do? Well, of course I'm going to be biased with the answer because I'm upskilling people. I mean that's the word. Uh, no, 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 no,
It is literacy. AI literacy is knowing how to communicate with the AI. Now, you have to understand that AI, let's talk about OpenAI as an example, which is the company that is behind ChatGPT. OpenAI started off as a non-profit company. So there was a romantic vision that was happening of this is for the benefit of humanity. And that Elon Musk, he goes on Twitter a couple of weeks ago saying, I still don't understand how I gave $300 million to a non-profit company that has now become a for-profit company that's worth $40 billion. And I don't get to see a penny of that. So what we have a situation now is this commercial interests now have taken over and they're driving those commercial interests. It's not actually in their benefit to teach you to be AI literate. What's in their benefit is to do things behind the scenes and wrap them up with single buttons like make me a presentation on the importance of the fab framework as an example, or make me a presentation. And it's not even going to say that. It's just going to go presentation. What presentation would you like to make on blood? So what's happening, and this goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which was the discernment is that now we look at that and we go, oh, that's amazing. That's just did a whole presentation for me. Month number one, wicked. Month number two, wicked. Month number six, not everybody is facing these presentations. Everybody is starting to see this pattern of presentation happening again and again and again. The person is feeling chuffed with himself because he didn't actually have to do any work. But the audience is starting to get frustrated. Oh, this is not one of those presentations. Oh, this is not one of those LinkedIn posts. Oh, this is another one of those comments. Yet, right? I get it. So what's going to happen? Here, get on, 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 uh, sorry. So the only way to avoid that is to actually start developing AI literacy, which is to understand how does this beast work? How does it respond to the different things that I say to it? So earlier on, we did, was it earlier on that we did the demo or was it coming up earlier on? Yeah. So earlier on, we did a demo. And if you remember in that demo, uh, it was about being on your, on your podcast. And I forgot to mention in the prompt that I was a guest. So we went off on one talking about, yeah, it was a great podcast and I love listening to it, blah, blah, blah. I looked and I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, no, I forgot to tell it that I was the guest. So this is literacy. You can start to see in communicating with it that just one word that's missing changes everything. And I've done that, let's say, for example, in selling to a company soft skills to a company. So I used the word, a company that has high emotional intelligence. And it gave me all this amazing feedback. And that's, I realized after this, not what I wanted to say. What I wanted to say was a company whose staff have high emotional intelligence. And that changed the output completely. Yeah. Well, an even simpler one is, is um, do you know Stencil Lodge? Yeah. Now, ChatGPT doesn't know me, but if you type, are you familiar with Spencer Lodge? Then you get a whole load of stuff. And yeah. Something is, that, that's essentially the one word. Yeah, exactly. Familiar. Yeah, exactly. And, and then you're getting all this information coming back to you. So for, for what that demo taught me as we were going through it and what I'm, I'm learning here right now is that we need to know how to ask the questions. And if we don't know how to ask the questions, we need to learn to do that. So we can do that by trial and error. We can try find an online course, or we could get someone to sit down and show us how to do it. Yeah. But forevermore, not everybody you sit down with is going to maybe understand your industry the way that you understand it and the terminology involved. You know, my dad, yeah, I talk about my dad. My dad's an engineer by trade. And he, like, he, he understands everything that he puts in his hands he can fix. But he uses many different words that 
that, that I would use, I know, because he's a specialist in that area. So it's a case of knowing industry-specific stuff plus what to ask it so that you can get out the other side what you're looking for. Yeah, exactly. And this is, you know, those people that are sitting on the, on the sidelines because they're scared, a lot of them are actually people with very high work ethics and are professionals in their field. And they're feeling that this AI thing is coming and taking that away from them. But in actual fact, if you think about them as having power, power plus AI equals superpower, right? So ChatGPT, as an example, does not come with a user manual. Why? Why does it come with a user manual? One of the reasons is because what you can get out of it depends on what you put into it. So if you take, for example, a senior insurance specialist, if that's even such a thing, what he puts into it, he's going to get out stuff relating to insurance. If you put an engineer uh, putting in all these engineering terms, he's going to get engineering stuff out of it. Do you see what I mean? So yeah, it's and, and that's the real magic is you take your AI literacy and you combine it with whatever you're doing to start producing absolute magic. And this is where all of these kind of online prompts that people are sharing actually fall on their heads is because they're, they're, they're all very generic. They're not specific to me. So I can go and copy and paste all the prompts on Earth, but unless they are specific to me, they're just going to produce generic content. Do you know what I mean? Mm. In, in, in any business, there's lots of stuff that's kind of about labor-intensive, and because people are stuck in their ways, they're kind of trying, away, trying to find a way to streamline without really you know, stretching themselves. And a good example in my wealth management business in the DINC, the, the guys have to write um, 27-page um, suitability report, three slides. Now, why the 27 pages is, is, is not known to me, but they're needed. Mm. That 27-page report that's written takes an hour and a half for that best three hours of worst. Mm. Because a lot of the client's information has to go into these reports and they're personalized, very, very personalized for that individual. I look at that and the team say, you don't understand how much time and effort goes into this, sir. You know, you don't understand, we, we, we have to do all of these, you know, and if you see five new potential clients a week, that's five suitability reports. If that's an hour and a half each time, that's seven and a half hours, that's a whole day's worth of work just doing that. And I sit there looking at it going, there's got to be a better way. Yeah. There's got to be a better way. Surely this can't be the solution. Yeah. Okay. And it's like, I'll give another example. I hate doing PowerPoint presentations. So years and years ago, I found a better way. I got somebody to do it for me. And so that, that was the technology back then. It was delegating that to somebody else that can do it. But if, there's got to be a better way of doing these 27-page reports. But I'm searching for that way, whereas I wonder whether other people are searching yet. Have they got to the point where people started to go, hold on a minute, this actually can solve the problems here. Well, listen, I got a, I got a message yesterday from my sister saying, hey, listen, she's a doctor, she does hypnotism, and I don't know what else. She said, listen, can AI do this for me? And it was taking the situation of her client, figuring out the script that's needed for her hypnotism stuff. I told her, yeah, it can. We need to sit down together and actually figure out how to do it. But yeah, it can do it. So I think people are starting to ask those questions. Is there a better way? Can AI help us do this? I, I definitely think that that um, voice is starting uh, to rise up. Now, do you want to talk about 27 page report? Yeah, go on, let's do it. So help me to understand that 27-page report. I'd imagine that a lot of it is like template text. 
Well, a lot of the report, I said, so the report will include all, all of the financial details of the particular prospective client. It will include um, uh, their attitude towards risk. It will include um, all of the aspects of the financial issues they have and how they can be resolved. It will have family information on their salary information, all that kind of stuff on it. And the job of the report, which has been collated digitally anyway, the information's not, not written down on a notepad, it's collated digitally. Yeah. That that report is, is us saying, we understand you. Yeah. We know where you are. Yeah. This is what we think you should do. Here are our reasons why we think you should do it, mm. okay? To make sure that you um, get on track with your personal finances, as the example here, uh, and can get to your retirement goal and to make sure you, your kids can get to university and so on and so forth. Yeah. So I think, I think you'd have two parts to that. I think the first part is just general automation. Without talking about AI, I think that would be covered general automation because if they are going in and all of that information has been stored into forms, then you could press a button and automatically put everything in place. Where the AI would kick in uh, that I can think of based on this limited two-minute discussion is that if you actually had to start writing paragraphs of text, okay? So if you had to say, you know, thank you, Spencer, for the time that we had, we understand that your risk appetite is like this, and we believe that this type of approach would be suitable for you, where you're actually taking whatever it is that you want and turning it into a discussion, just like we did in that demo earlier on with the emails, right? So all I did was tell it the general gist of what it was I wanted to say, and then went off and did it. Now, you could actually program the AI to write in a specific tone of language. You could write, you could, you could, give it your existing tone of voice, sorry. You could give it your existing tone of voice and work with it to replicate that tone of voice. You could give it the rest of the document and say, look, this is the document. This is the tone of voice from the document. We now want you to put a paragraph in here covering these points. So the answering for that, for Bausch for your specific use case would be a, a, a mix and blend of automation, general automation, whereby that document gets produced automatically with everything in place and then topped up with AI in terms of making sure that it actually looks like it was written by a human being. So that's, that's my immediate book okay. on the 27th. Interesting point. Right. Let's take another example. All right. Cryptocurrency. Let's take that as an example. Someone wants to build a cryptocurrency portfolio. Okay. They want to invest some money. They want to buy crypto, but they need a trading strategy to be able to buy that crypto whatever that may be. And let's not go into the finer nuances of old coins and all that exist out there. Is AI capable of creating a crypto investment strategy for me? Um, a generic strategy, possibly a generic strategy, a specific strategy. I'm sure that some company somewhere at the moment, cause remember we said it's all about patterns. Yeah. So, you know, for example, smart money concepts has a pattern first, it will dip and then it will jump up. So you can actually, somebody somewhere, I'm absolutely certain has been working on trying to recognize the patterns and using AI to recognize those patterns. Um, so that could be possible. ChatGPT is not the one to do it for sure. It would be some other pattern recognition AI. It could be possible. My brother-in-law, he runs an investment bank. We had this conversation. He sent me something the other day called StopGPT. And uh, he said, look, Frank, someone's doing it. So I added the best system on it. This is just some TikTok rubbish. He said, no, I looked at it, it's just TikTok rubbish. Anyone that has figured it out is not sharing it with the world, I'll tell you that. They are keeping it private and they are raking in the money. It can be done. I'm sure it can be done. 
but ChatGPT is not the one going to be there. But if it's pattern recognition, then all all the all the, any of any investment trading is done is based upon previous behaviors and performance. Yes, and so that data can be. It can be, yeah. But but ChatGPT numbers is not its strong point at all. Yeah, they can't even count the words in a sentence quite often. Really, because it's the, you have to understand how the it's a language model. So it's good with words. It's good at understanding the sentence and what's the meaning behind that sentence and what is going to be a, a typical response or a follow-on from that sentence. Once you start throwing numbers into it, it gets confused and it will still talk like it knows what it's talking about, but it doesn't. So I tell my students, generally speaking, if you hear the word numbers, ChatGPT, put your ears up, be very attentive and check on what you're seeing because chances are it's not going to be accurate. Okay. And... Um, Let's move. Let's, let's try and give some advice to business owners. Okay, so the, where should a business owner first look to consider using AI within their business? Where's where's the beginning step for them? I okay. So there's two answers to this question. For every business, I always tell them sales, 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 because if you can, if you're going to invest money into anything in your business, invest it into sales. Because that's going to open up more money for you to now go and do other things with, right? So yeah. that's the first thing is sales. The second thing in the context of AI is AI literacy for your employees. And I say that because every business is different. Every business is different. Its processes are different. Its audience is different. Its customers are different. Its strategy is different. So for me, despite all of my experience in business across verticals and so on, for me to come in and try and tell you what you need to do in your business, it's not actually the right approach. The, the people who should be able to answer that are the people who are already working in your company that have now been empowered with what I've got, which is AI literacy. So what I tell companies is that your first step, I know that you guys want to rush into, you know, doing this with AI and doing that with AI, but your absolute first step is to upskill your workforce with AI literacy. Because what's going to happen is all of them are going to start thinking, like I had this happen with uh, God, who are they? Asset management company. They're like, hold on a second. Doesn't this mean that we can create a bot for our HR department that if any staff have any HR questions, that they can go and chat with the bot instead of disturbing the HR? I said, yep, absolutely. Then they said, well, listen, can't we also do one for processes? that whenever they need to check if a process exists and what steps they should follow, they could do that. I said, yeah, absolutely. So what you've got here, you've got employees that have now got an AI-enabled mindset that are now thinking about their company and how can they bring AI into their company. So that's the two advices. Number one, sales, sales, sales. Number two, get your staff AI literate because they're going to be the ones that can answer that question for you. Where would I go to learn to be AI literate? <laughs> That's a very good question. Very good question. Uh, in this region, at least, I am the only person that is actually explicitly teaching AI literacy. And I've even had, I had somebody from Coinbase reach out to me yesterday to talk about doing an online program. So it seems like even elsewhere in the world, AI literacy is not actually being taught. So the biased or unbiased answer is speak to me at the moment. So what would you do? Let's say I came to you and said, okay, I, I need to learn this shit. Yeah. So yes. I only sit down with me. Yes. Get down with me. You've done the technology and stuff. How, what, what, what is it going to cost me? Um, 
what I would have learned and and uh, how valuable really is it? Is it going to set me on a path where I'm just, once I've learned from you, I'm ready to go or is there much more to it? All right. So I historically have a passion for something called knowledge engineering. Knowledge engineering is when you take on a new topic and you don't like the way it's being explained to you. So what you do is you reorganize that content in a way that makes sense to you. Okay. That approach has allowed me to learn a lot about a lot of things. And it's something that I encourage kids to do as well. Because if you open up one of these GCSE books, I know why. I, would, I was a crap student. I think one of the reasons is because the way they explain things made me feel like an idiot. And I don't think any kid wants to feel like an idiot. So I think I just rebelled as a kid because they all made me feel like idiot, right? So I have this passion for knowledge engineering. I also have history in delivering courses and so on. And I also have this empathy towards business owners. And on top of all of that, and professionals as a, as a whole, on top of all of that, my own learning experience in AI and GPT and chat GPT is still fresh. So I have been able to look back at the journey I've been through as a learner and being able to pull out the 20% that will produce the 80% results so that people can take what I've learned in that period and condense it as much as possible. Now, I put it out there on one of my sales pages or something like that, which is taking my two-day course, it's a two-day course, will fast track an eight-month learning curve. That's 120x. So I had one person reply back to me online, a person I've never met before, and she said to me, I think you should change that. And I said, why? She said, because ChatGPT has only been out for four months. So how are you talking about fast-tracking an eight-month learning curve? And I said to her, that's not my learning curve. That's your learning curve. You're not coming at ChatGPT with the background that I have. You're not coming to it with all that experience in consulting, knowledge engineering, and course development, and, 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 and. So the course which I deliver at the moment is an in-person course. It's being done with corporates in-house. When it's in-house, it's done uh, four hours per day over four days. When it's public workshops, I've got one coming up next weekend, is uh, two days, nine to five. And then after that, I have a continuity program, which allows them to stay in touch with me as an online discussion board. Corporates get their own private space and public, they're all part of a, of a big board where if they face any obstacles or any challenges or they don't know how to do something, they can now log in and put it in front of me uh, and hopefully more people as well soon, where we can kind of diagnose the situation, point out where they've gone wrong, etc. Uh, I would like very much to be going online very, very, very soon. Uh, and that's the next phase is to, is to go online. Yeah, some people learn online easier and some people don't. Some people need to be at their room, you know. I know for sure when people talk to me, I learn nothing. Mm. But if you get a whiteboard up and you start drawing me some pictures, yeah, I, I, I've got it straight away. First time we all learn in different ways. Well, yeah, let me just add one more point. It's just the way that I do the teaching is through practical exercise. So my course, I've, I've built a curriculum, spent a massive amount of money with a curriculum developer to actually take everything and convert it into a curriculum with learning objectives and levels and all that kind of stuff. And it goes with the acronym FASTER. So it's the FASTER way, 120X FASTER, which is fundamentals, all relates to kind of paradigms, attitudes, skills, transformation applications, ethics, and resources. So it's a complete framework that captures everything that you need to know 
and taught 10 modules. You remember I showed you that earlier on, I was asking you which one do you want to demo of. Those are the 10 modules of the course. So it starts off at the most basic level, which is treating ChatGPT as a writing assistant. Yeah? But then it evolves into being a thinking assistant to then evolve into being a planning assistant to evolve until finally, 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 ChatGPT has become like a co-pilot sitting in your brain helping you do everything. There's a lot to discuss about this. <laughs> but I think, I think where we are right now, the level of the looks of today, I think it's been good understanding. If, if people want to reach out to you and come and go on your private courses or like come on your corporate courses, what's the easiest way for them to find you? Are you, are you a social media person? I'm a LinkedIn person. Uh, so if they reach out to me, I'll put the link. Yeah, LinkedIn. And then the other one is the course, which is the chatgptaccelerator.com. The chatgptaccelerator.com. Yeah. Okay. I think what we should do, and, I, and I'll ask you your permission for this, we, we need to send some people on this journey. You do. And if we set people on this journey and we were able to create some more content based around their journey, their experience, and you were able to come back and we were able to then take people further down that path, would that be something you'd be willing to do? Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe we should do that. Right. So if you've benefited from what Fahid has said here and it's tempted you a little bit to look into it further and it's made you say, oh, how's it going to work for me? How's it going to make a difference? Is it going to make a difference? then really the next stage for you to do is not to sit there and then go watch the football or the Formula One, but it's for you to take a little bit of action. And the next set will be diving into learning about it. So what would I advise you to do? First thing, I'd probably advise you to go and watch a couple of videos on YouTube just to give yourself a bit more of an idea. And then get yourself booked, whether that's through your company or individually, onto some form of course, and we've got one here, whether that's you or not, it doesn't really matter. Okay, you can choose any one you want so that you can really learn. Because if you don't, you will be left behind. And that's the important thing to remember. And you can, you know, you can think about it any way you want. But if you're left behind and you miss the opportunity, let me give you another example of that. Had you invested in Bitcoin 13 years ago, imagine how wealthy you'd be right now. And whilst this isn't an investment that you're making externally, what it is is an investment you're making into your mind. But that's the bit here. Just imagine if you had the ability to streamline your business, make it way more profitable, bring more revenue through, okay, and do it in a fraction of the time that it takes you right now. For me, that's my takeaway, and that's the important bit from today. Fire, thank you so much for coming to the man. Absolute pleasure. Good to talk to you. Thank you.